And then now here's that question of, okay, David, what do I do with my 401k? Should I be taking my money out of my investments? Should I be putting money in to my investments? What do you do with that money? Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration, so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We are your hosts, Leo Sabo and David Thompson, and on this episode, we're going to talk about what to do in this crazy season with your investments. We're still in the midst of this coronavirus, and investments have been all over the place. Obviously, the stock market's done a nosedive. What should we do? What does the individual do in a season like this? Yeah, and this is something that I'm getting a lot of questions on. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are asking, hey, what should I be doing with my 401k, my 403b? And so I know that some of you are not focused on investing at all right now. And that's okay. This still may be good information for you. Uh, Or you may have some investments that you've not really thought about, like just your retirement account potentially at an old company or your current company. Uh, But if you're just trying to get through this season, uh, maybe you've been let go from your job or you have reduced hours and your number one concern is just getting through the season, then go back and listen to our last two episodes because that's where we really focused in on the resources that are available to you right now, how to access help, how to get plugged into community. And so we shared advice on what you can do to save money to make your money last as long as possible, and to get resources from different groups that are out there looking to help people in this season. So the last two episodes was all about serving people that were really looking. And then now here's that question of, okay, David, what do I do with my 401k? Should I be taking my money out of my investments? Should I be putting money in to my investments? So just take a take a moment and think about it. Do you have a 401k at your work, a 403b for nonprofits, mm-hmm. a 457 potentially for government workers? Um, have you ever set up a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA, a regular IRA or a brokerage account where you're not even getting a tax advantage, but you're just investing? What do you do with that money? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what we want to land on today. And our number one encouragement to you, hands down is to stick to your principles. Right. Uh, you've got to go back and review your original investment strategy. And we've talked about investing in a bunch of our episodes here on Getting Money Right. Uh, specifically, go back and listen to episode uh, 11, 12, 13. Check out episodes 92 through 97. Uh, we've done several different series. We've even interviewed investment experts, and we've talked to different people in this industry. So we're passionate about this, but I want to remind you that one of the things that we talk about is when you start to invest, you should have a strategy that you believe in based on your education level and what you've learned. And so hopefully, we talked about this, I said in one of our episodes, write it down, write down what your strategy is. And if you have a long-term index fund, buy and hold mentality, then that's the principle you have in place. That's mm-hmm. the strategy you have in place. Don't don't change your principles based on a, a one-time blip in history. It's a huge blip. It's something that is going to be making reverberations for years in the history books, but it doesn't change your overall strategy. So most likely, and I'm speaking to almost everyone here, I want you to know that most likely the best advice 
is to leave your long-term investments alone. Mm-hmm. Do not touch them. Do not sell your and all the all the funds that you have in your 401k right now. Do not go and pull out of the S&P 500 if you're in indexes or the Dow Jones or the Nasdaq Composite. Wherever your funds are, you're probably if you just invested in a target date fund with your company, you're probably broadly invested across a lot of groupings of companies. And guess what? Uh, across the country, uh, the broad groupings of companies in general have gone down about 30% right now. Right. I'm looking at the S&P 500. It's, it went down 30%. That's huge. If you had $100,000, you now have $70,000 <laughs> You know, in, in that account. Yep. Um, but if you have a long-term horizon, I want to encourage you right now to leave it there Because over time, if you are looking at keeping it invested for the next 10, 20 years, this is part of your strategy is to continue to put in a little bit by a little bit. We've talked about dollar cost averaging. If you if you're still able to invest in the season, keep buying Mm. while it's 30 percent off because you're getting a discount right now. So. I want you to know that you uh, cannot time the market and beat the experts in general, and you definitely don't want to risk your retirement fund or your largest pool of funds, your nest egg, by trying to time the market at this time. Even most experts can't predictably beat the general market indexes, yep. like the S&P 500. And I like the S&P 500 because uh, in my mind, it's really easy for me to, to, to wrap my mind around that. It's 500 of the largest companies in the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, and it's just a list. And the computer looks at that list and buys off of the list and uh, you know evens it out, averages it out so that it's all in there based on the size of the company. And so the Dow Jones, the NASDAQ Composite, these are lists of companies mm-hmm. that, that give a general overview of how the stock market is doing. So I just want to say to you, before we go any deeper, because we're about to go deeper and we're about to answer some fun questions, mm-hmm. but but at the very front of this show, I cannot encourage you enough. Leave your long-term retirement investments alone if you had a long-term retirement investment strategy in the first place, if you have a different strategy and you, you have a real real estate strategy, let's say you've got um, a, a unique uh, strategy with uh, dividend stocks or you've got a unique strategy where you're looking at specific companies and trying to time things, hey, I'm going to leave that to you. Like that, that may be your strategy, but follow your principles, whatever mm-hmm. your principle is. And if you don't feel educated enough to even have principles in place yet then go back and listen to episode 11, 12, 13, and then episode 92 through 97. That's that's great, David. I, I do also want to remind everybody that the stock market is resilient. It is made up of companies that will be around. Some will die off, some will be born, some will continue to grow. And it is an indicator of the economy that is right now part of the United States. These companies is what makes the stock market what it is. So it's going to fluctuate, especially in a season like this. We're dealing with a situation that nobody has ever had to deal with before, where literally the whole world is impacted, and therefore there's going to be a downside, an economic downside. And some of the things that we've talked about before, uh, the fact that the stock market returned an average of 11.3% between 1928 through 2010, well, some of that might be slightly different now. 
but it could be actually better. We don't even know what's right. going to happen. Because from 2010 to 2019, mm-hmm. all it did was double and then double again. Yep. And so it's or maybe not double and double, but it went up several hundred percent. Yes. And so so now we have a 30% decline. Is that going to affect the overall average? Yes, but looking at a 50-year view or a 100-year view, view yeah, yeah. it's going to change that 11.3% to 11.2, yeah. you know, or, or yeah. 11.1, right? And and then over time, the market will recover and it will go right back up to where it was. Now, we we can't say that what happened in the past is absolutely going to happen in the future, but it is a great indicator of mm-hmm. what we can expect mm-hmm. when you're looking at a huge economy like the U.S., that has tons of incredible companies, great employees, yep. and good employers, good good executives that have a, a heart to serve people with their businesses and make money for the company, but then use that to invest into more products, more resources to, again, go out and serve yep. people. And it is creating a lot of great products. When you look at some of the companies that are in the news today, some of the top performing companies like Apple. This company creates some great products. You know, David and I are sitting right now recording, and both of us have our MacBook and laptops open. And I don't know that I'll ever have another type of computer unless I can find something better. So a company like Apple, the fact that they make good products almost guarantees that you and I will continue to buy them, right? Whether it's an iPhone, an Apple Watch, or whatever it is. So when you look at the market and you look at these companies that are part of our daily lives, we buy their products, we like their products, they continue to make better products that make our life better, then as long as these companies are around, the market will continue to make money. Now, some companies will lose money, but others will come in and make more money. So overall, when you look at the market, you really what you're doing is you're betting on the American economy, on the industry of the American people, and the fact that we are going to continue to spend money. We're going to continue to live our lives. We're going to continue to have everything that we have and more than we have today. So it's not going away. Right now, it's just a unique situation. And the worst thing that you can do is focus on taking that money off the table because you're scared, because you think, gosh, I can't afford to take any more loss. If your perspective is long term, this is just a blip. It's right. just a, a, it's, a little dive right. into the market, but that will continue to come back up. As soon as we get through this coronavirus thing, everything that was in place before, as far as the economy is concerned, the jobs, the people's ability to, to make money because they have good jobs and their ability to spend money, all of that's going to come back. It, is it going to hurt this quarter or next quarter? Sure. This year is going to be different than what everybody had planned. But yet the resilience of the market is that people will continue to live, they'll continue to buy, and companies will continue to make products. And therefore, their stock will continue to grow, put out dividends, and so it's a safe bet long term. And remember, the market is one way to invest. It's not the only way to invest. In fact, let's touch on the four things that you could be doing right now yeah, as an investor, because we talked about this in previous episodes. And so let's focus on what are the four places to invest before we dive into some of the questions like, what do I do with the money I have right now? Yeah, that's right. Because we are going to look in a little bit at some of the cool places to invest potentially. Mm-hmm. But let's just talk about the the basics, the principles. Let's go back. So first, the greatest place to invest, or there are four places to invest. One of the greatest is your personal education. Yeah. Uh, and now is a great time because a lot <laughs> yeah. of people are working remote or are currently without a job. And so you're looking for something to do 
invest in your education. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of free online education content out there right now, especially because a lot of companies that sell education information are actually looking to utilize this time as a way to gain more long-term customers. So a lot of them are giving away their education for free, uh, or you may pay for some kind of education. But if you invest into a skill and personally learn something, Mm -hmm. and you go from being able to earn $0 an hour to $10 an hour, you have just infinitely gained your your income, you know, potential. Then let's say you have learned something that takes you from earning $10 an hour to $20 an hour. Mm. Again, that investment education doubled your income. So that is a huge place to invest. The next is a personal business. And I will say right now, personal businesses are probably being hit the hardest mm. by the coronavirus. Anybody that owns a small business or even owns a medium-sized business, this is very difficult. If you have employees, can you continue to pay them in this season? You've got to go through and run the numbers. You want to be generous, but you also want to guard and make sure the business will last you yeah. know, and be around three months from now, six months from now. So that's probably the most difficult place. It's why we talk about diversification. And it's why we talk about the need to invest in more than one place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll also say this. If you own a business, you also are versatile and you can make decisions that will help that company to mm-hmm. succeed long term. So let's say that you're in a contracting role where you're used to working inside of people's homes, uh, maybe fixing AC units or fixing, you know, painting uh, the inside of their house. And now this happens and nobody wants you inside of their house in the next month or two. Yeah. Okay. Now you switch your business to painting outside people's homes or doing yard work or trimming trees or fill in the blank. Is your business going to be impacted? Yes, no doubt. Mm. But, but you can shift from being a, a, a restaurant that has inside seating to being a restaurant that makes deliveries, to being a restaurant that supplies uh, hospitals with food. I mean, you can shift. If you own the company, you can make changes that will hopefully allow that company to continue to succeed. So there is a, a benefit and a value to investing in your own business. The third place is to invest in other people's businesses. And that's companies and stocks, which we've been talking about and will continue to. And then finally, in property and real estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let me say something about the personal business. Yes, I agree with you, David. I think there's definitely a challenge right now for personal business, especially some of the small businesses that are operating with very little margin. So now that people aren't buying food at restaurants, the fact that people aren't out spending like they would normally spend can be a real challenge. But it's also part of this investing in yourself and investing in your business is that you take a situation like this and say, is there a way for me to position my business differently in this season so that one, I can survive. Number two, maybe I can even increase my business, especially coming out of this. So part of an education is that whatever you're doing, you're always looking at ways to improve. You're always looking to improve yourself, your business, how you invest, whether it's in stocks, even even that alone. If you think about how much information right now is being shared about what's going on in the market, you can read so much about what's going on with these companies. You can analyze the, the situation of what's going on so that you're better prepared and more knowledgeable about what's really going on in the market. So there's always the opportunity to learn and be better. Even if all you're doing is investing in the stock market and let's say an index fund, still being able to gauge what's happening in the market will help you to make sure that you're investing in the right companies, that your investment is really set 
to continue to make gains over a long period of time. And of course, real estate property, you know, I don't know that the real estate has been affected very much right now, but it's been a very short period of time that we've been dealing with this. So the effects of this probably won't happen for several months. We won't really recognize how bad this is until three, four, five, six months down the road. And we don't know what the real estate market's going to do. You may see uh, more people stay unemployed and potentially people losing homes. The market's going to begin to go down because houses aren't being built. And so now maybe that's going to reduce the inventory. Maybe that'll make the prices go up or it might actually make it go down because the jobs have gone away. The important thing here is to keep your eyes open and see what's happening so that when it's time, if you're properly positioned, you can get in and buy something at a good price and then allow that to become uh, an investment that's going to pay dividends for you for the rest of your life. That's right. So let's look at where the best place for you to invest right now is. Hmm. Uh, first and so this foremost, is personal. this is personal, right? Personal so we're education. going, we're going back to your personal finances and saying, where do you invest? What should you be doing right now? And I can tell you without a doubt that if you do not have a budget in place, hmm. if you are not spending on purpose, the best investment that you can make is of your time in creating a written plan that you're living off of. Now, you hear that in almost every Getting Money Right episode, so we're not going to go deep into that, but I want to re-encourage you. If you're sitting at home this week and you don't have a budget in place, now is the time. Yeah, there's no better time. Go go to leosebo.com, download the budgeting tools. You don't have to use our tools. You know, go to Dave Ramsey's tool. Go to you need a budgets tool. Uh yeah, YNAB. You need a budget. It doesn't matter to us what you use. What matters is that you invest in having a good budget in place. Spend on purpose. Yeah. And then second, make sure that you're saving before you spend. In this season, it's so crucial that you don't stop saving. And by saving, I don't mean that you should be saving a portion of your money. If you can, you should. If you can live on less than you're making, again, that's creating margin. We always encourage that. Then you should continue to save even in the season. But maybe you can't do that anymore. Maybe you've lost a certain amount of income. Maybe you're waiting for that unemployment check to come in. Whatever situation you're in, save in some way. Maybe it's you spend less in your budget in certain areas. So by saving, we really mean save for your emergency fund if you still need to do that, if you can do that, but also save by not spending as much. Embrace a frugality mentality in the season. That's always a good idea, especially in seasons when things like this are happening, That's but right. we don't know what's going to happen a month or two or three months from now. That's right. So start there. Then if you have dollars left over, if you're at the end, you've put together your budget, you mm -hmm. have some money left over at the end of the month that you know you want to invest, then you need to make sure that the, the next best place mm -hmm. is to put that money into your emergency fund right. until it is full, especially right now when we're in a bit of a national crisis and a, and a wondering of what's going to happen in the next two to three to six months. Mm -hmm. So put that money into the emergency fund. All right. Uh, these are the first two places. The third place is that you would then go and invest in your family and in your relationships. Make sure that the people around you 
are okay. Yep. Ten years from now, twenty years from now, you're you you might be excited about the the thirty percent gain you made off the stock market in twenty twenty. But really, what you'll probably more so be excited about are mm-hmm. the relationships that you have in your life. That is what is truly fulfilling. That is the kind of thing that will carry with you. It'll be a part of your legacy. So if right now you have a family member or a friend that is struggling, invest your time and your resources there. Yeah. All right. Now, let's say that you have covered the emergency fund, you have a written plan in place, and you've made sure that your family is okay. And if you're a listener to this show, then I anticipate that you're doing those things. Right. So now I know a lot of people are asking, David, what do I do if I have a thousand dollars? And you can scale $1,000 to 10000 100000 fill in the blank. But David, what if I had $1,000 in my hands right now? Where should I go and invest it? Mm, mm, that's good. Well, the first question is, uh, are you comfortable with losing that $1,000? Right. right. Because an investment automatically implies beyond your, your budget and your emergency fund and, and investing in your relationships, it implies that there is a risk. Always. And so there's going to be a risk and reward to that $1,000. What is the best thing that can you, do, you can do with that? So first and foremost, only invest what you're able to lose. Yes. If you, if you were to lose that $1,000 or have it cut in half, and that were to wreck your personal life, mm. then don't invest that money. Yeah. Put it back into the emergency fund. <laughs> yep. um, then you've got to check your motives. Yeah. I think it's really important here because... All of us have been somewhat glued to the news, right? We want to know where things are going with this coronavirus and how it's impacting our jobs, the economy, everything. So we've been glued to the TV, trying to make sure that we stay up to date what's going on. And at the same time, we're receiving these mixed signals. One day, the market's up 10%, the next is down 9%. And we think, gosh, if I would have bought so-and-so at this price and then sold it a day later, I could have made money. But remember, we're not into gambling when it comes to investing. We're into long-term financial health. And being a day trader is not a good idea in this season. There's so much volatility. And unless you're an expert in this, and if you are, you're probably not listening to this episode anyway. But my point is, it's really important to check your motives because there is opportunity out there to make money, but there's also a tremendous amount of risk. So if you fulfill that first requirement to make sure you're only investing what you're able to lose, make sure that you're also checking your motive and that you're dealing with potentially greed. If you're just doing this because you want more money, not that money in itself is bad, but we want to make sure that the motive why we're doing what we're doing is always because it's going to help us and our families or other people rather than just make us more money. Right. Because having more money, believe me, in this season especially, it kind of brought me back to looking at my life a little bit different and seeing what's really important. I mean, if we lost everything, but I still have my family, I still have the most important things in my life. That's and those right. are relationships and the people that I care about. I can move to a smaller home, I can move to an apartment, I can move to a different city. All of that's possible, but if I lose my family, if somebody in my family ends up getting this disease and dying from it, I mean, that is the worst that can happen. So I have to check my motives. Am I doing this for the right reason? And if if it, there is some desire for you know wealth and riches and things like that, because that's defining me, then I got to deal with that. Because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. If you invest with that mindset, you're going to probably invest into something that looks really good. You're not going to look at the downside, and you're going to suffer the consequence of that. Greed always leads you 
to speculation, to not looking at the negative sides of things, and you're not going to make a good decision, and chances are you're going to lose. That's right. And we would hate for you to take that thousand, ten thousand, whatever it is, and invest it with that mindset and lose it. And that's not a good way to, to learn about investing. It's better to become educated and then make the decision knowing that even if I lose it, it's okay, but don't make the decision because you just want to make money. That's Check right. your motives. I think it's really important that you do that, especially in this season. That's right. And greed and the idea of getting rich quick and trying to grab cash while it's available, mm-hmm. that is always going to cause you to have an emotional response and you acting on emotion instead of your long-term principles. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, having a plan in place and strategically going in and making good decisions. If you're investing based on greed and trying to grab cash and trying to figure out a, a quick way to make a buck, mm-hmm. it, long-term, that emotional response will cause you to make bad decisions. Yes. Just like Leo Agreed. said. Agreed. And so, um, you know, I've got a, little, a lot of people asking, okay, now that I've got, a, if I have $1,000 extra, uh, what should I do with it? And they're looking, at, you know, should I look at Starbucks? Should I look at Boeing? Should I look at the airline companies? Like, should I look at oil? Should I be looking at at servers and data storage? So we're going to talk about some of this. We're going to look at and say, okay, what what are some of the the kinds of things that we would look for in a company? Mm -hmm. And, And are there some individual stocks that would be a good deal right now? So Leo, when I look at the industry and what we're experiencing right now, one of the things that becomes really appealing to me are the companies that will benefit long-term because there could be some economic shifts long-term that occur because of the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. What I'm experiencing in my own company, in my own job, where I work, I work at a church, but, you know, at our church, everyone is meeting online Mm -hmm. right now through Zoom, right? Or, Or fill in the blank, there's four or five other great providers of online interactions. You've got Slack and you've got Google Hangouts and you've got, you know, you can even do FaceTime with people right now. So, uh, there's a bunch of good stuff out there. Um, but I'm looking at the kinds of companies that would be supplying the internet connection, mm-hmm. the the data servers, the data storage, the telecommunications companies behind what Zoom and Slack uh, and all of these different companies are built on top of. Mm-hmm. And so be thinking of long-term the types of companies that are going to be winning because of what we're going through right now, because there may be a shift in the workplace dynamic. Because I believe that not just in the short run, like Zoom obviously is going to do well in the short run, but I believe that long-term, that some of these companies that provide work-from-home solutions are going to get more customers because a lot of companies are going to realize, oh, we this can is actually, a better way to do yeah, it. This is a better way to do it. <laughs> yeah. uh, we can actually have our people work from home two days a week and be just as productive, if not more so, yeah. and not have to pay as much rent and have physical building spaces. Yeah. So uh, I would be looking at some of these companies that have a long-term opportunity to make money. I agree. I think one of the things that this coronavirus situation is going to bring about is it's going to take people that never considered Zoom or a video conferencing type meetings, and it's going to bring them, I mean, out of necessity, it's going to bring them right into the fold because they don't have a choice. Look at churches these days. They're not able to meet anymore, right? The social distancing has made it impossible for staffs to work together. So now everybody's working from home, and it's the same across the board. Every company that had multiple employees now have to meet using some kind of video chat conference type of of, uh, app or or software. And some of these people have never done it before. 
But now they're learning how to do it. They're jumping in and they're going to do it. And they realize this actually is much more efficient. We can get it done faster. We don't have to worry about getting a conference room reserved. We don't have to worry about spending the time. Everything that, that adds to that, that's going to be a cost of both time and resources, when they're going to realize that that's no longer necessary and they could still accomplish the same goal, they're going to say, hey, let's keep doing it this way. So I agree with you, David. I think companies like this will continue to see a sustainable growth because not everybody's going to be like, okay, now we only need to meet face-to-face. No, there's certain people that will say, this is this makes sense to us. Even in companies that I believe will go back to a physical you know, desk oh, and sure, jobs absolutely. and cubicles, they'll still do some Because we're going to go back to the offices. Yeah. But, but honestly, there will be more of an appetite for working from home in the future because yes. people are used to it. And not just an appetite for it, but a, a comfort level with it because mm-hmm. they know, oh, we can still make things happen right. while being on our computers and not having to drive into the office and have rent physical space. Yeah. So, well, another part of it is uh, I do some consulting with another organization. And one of the things that we do is we do in-person seminars to help people understand a specific part of their financial life. And this is an hour, hour and 15, 20 minute seminar that we do face to face. Well, in this season, we've had to look at all the partners that we've been working with and figure out a way to do it electronically, right? To do it over a Zoom webinar. So this past weekend, we've done a couple of webinars with two different partners and it went great. We had a great turnout. We had a great response to the teaching. People gave us feedback and said, hey, loved it. Great information. So even though it's not the same as it is in person, it's amazing today just because of the way we interact with people on social media and every other way, how much more open people are to receiving information this way. So by doing these seminars this way, I didn't have to travel anywhere. I didn't have to worry about having any expenses associated with that. So therefore, it's a cheaper way for us to do the same thing and still serve people at a very, very high level. So I think that's going to be a trend going forward. That's right. So look for companies or individual stocks that have that kind of opportunity. If mm-hmm. you're if you're looking to invest, you could also look at a broad, you know, index fund that looks specifically at technology companies or medical companies for a while, there's going to be an increased investment in those industries, right? Uh, The other thing that I think is really great to look at are companies that have a ton of cash reserves right now. Yes. Uh, And if you looked back a year ago, two years ago, you might have been thinking, why does Apple have $200 billion just sitting in cash and very short-term investments that, that is basically like cash. You know, why do they have that much money sitting there? Well, it's because two years ago or last year, the market was at an all-time high. All companies were selling at very high costs, yeah, right? High, high price to earnings ratios, high, high profits across the industry. So Apple had all this money, but there were no good investments for them to make. Right. Now, there are tons of companies that have been cut in value by this recession that essentially is happening right now or by this slowdown in the economy because of the coronavirus. Well, Apple is a technology company that has $200 billion at its hands. Mm. It can invest and potentially buy some companies that it has been wanting to buy, bring in-house some of the technology that they've been wanting to build that maybe they've been paying somebody else for in the past. So I look at companies like Apple, uh, $200 billion in cash reserves. Mm-hmm. Microsoft, $130 plus billion in cash reserves, right? Yep. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway, uh, that's Warren Buffett's kind of conglomerate, right? So $120 billion plus in cash reserves. Mm. These are the people 
that were waiting for the economy to slow down a little bit so they could invest in good business opportunities. So I would be very inclined to look at investing with companies like this. You know they're not going to go out of business. Yeah, or at least make sure that they're part of the portfolio you currently have. Oh, sure, you want to make sure these companies are there. And I think another thing to consider is when I look at these opportunities to invest, I need to try to make things very simple so I can make a decision that I'm confident in. When you look at these companies, it's really no different than your own personal finances. If you've got enough saved up, if you've got margin, then you can weather the storm. Even if it lasts six months to a year, you've got enough to make it last. These companies have done exactly that, which means that this cash that they have on hand, even if they choose not to invest it in other companies or do everything you were just talking about, David, the fact that they have the cash means, let's say they're profit or their sales go down to 10%. They make no money or very little money in the next three to six months, these next two quarters. They can just take it from their cash. They could continue to pay their employees. They can keep all their manufacturing going, even though it's going to be limited. They're going to continue to be able to pay their debt, their bills, their loans, all of that. So they'll survive while other companies who were not prepared will die. That's right. And therefore, they'll have the ability now to sell to more people because yep. the companies that were no longer around yep. are now looking for someone else right. that they can buy from. Less competitors. Yes. Right. So I would Google the list of the top 10 companies that have the most cash reserves. I've got it here. You're looking at from the top, Apple, Microsoft, Berkshire Hathaway, Alphabet. That's Google. Mm-hmm. And, and these are technology companies that right now technology is going to be a yep. great sector because oh, yeah. people are going to be using technology even more today and in the coming future. Facebook, Amazon, Ford, Oracle, Cisco, and Bristol Meyer. But you can Google this. You can look this up. I would say do some research in these areas because when you begin to look at the the kinds of companies that are going to have an economic advantage long-term and they're on sale right now. Mm -hmm. I, I went and looked through at least five or six of these companies and they're all down about 30% from their peak. Now, it may take a year or two years for them to, uh, or it may take six months. It could be short, it could be long, but it may take them a year to recover back to their original price. But if it does take them six months, then that's a 30% return in six months. If it takes a year, that's a 30% return in, in, a year. in a year. Usually we kind of hope, we think it's great if we average 10% a year, right? Right. I mean, over a, a 20, 30 year time horizon. So if somehow you get 30%, in six months or mm-hmm. one year or That's two years, even if it's over two years, you've still you know, averaged out a very strong investment. Now, personally, what I'm looking at right now is the S&P 500 because I understand it. I'm comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. I recognize that it is 500 plus companies that are strong companies in the United States. I feel very confident waiting and kind of laddering my investments if I had a thousand dollars and saying, okay, while the S and P 500 is down 30%, I'll take $250 and put it in to the S and P 500 while it's down 30%, because I know in the next one to so many years, it will recover and gain that 30% back. Right. Or at least I fully believe I say, I know, right. I mean, who knows? And actually hit tomorrow. Right. But, but, but I feel very confident historically. Now I'm going to wait for it to go down a little bit further. This is my personal thought. I think it's going to go down a little bit further. And when it gets to maybe a negative 40%, 
then I'll add in the other $750 out of that 1000. Mm -hmm. That's the way I'm thinking right now. I'm also looking for if I hear of a company, or as I look and research companies like an Apple or like a Boeing that's down or like a company that does data storage and servers, if I find a cool opportunity, and this is extra money Mm -hmm. that I'm not afraid to lose, I have my emergency fund in place, then yeah, I might look at that with the extra money. What I'm not doing is I'm not playing with the money that's in my retirement accounts. Yeah, I want to encourage you. Yeah, let your principles be your principles. Leave your original investment strategy in place for your long-term financial benefit. Yeah, but if you have extra money, it's okay to look at some of these fun things. Yeah, and also I think the mindset that we need to keep is that we're still investing long-term. Whether you choose to buy into the S and P. Or if you want to buy as an individual company stock, still don't buy it with a mindset. I'm going to buy it in three weeks or a month or two. I'm going to sell it. Buy it because it's a good bet long term, not because you can turn around and make a quick buck. The the reality here is that if you have this mindset, I'm going to buy it low and sell it high, you're not going to consistently be able to perform at that level. No one can. That's why you have index funds. That's why the index is the best bet, is because if you consistently do this, you will lose. So even if you do decide to buy, and I am looking at individual companies that I like to buy into, but it's still part of my long-term strategy. That's the idea there, is that you're not buying it today to sell it tomorrow, that you're hanging on to it at least for some time. And I would say three, six months, maybe a year. That's right. All right. So let me just wrap this up by saying, hey, remember, today is a great time to invest in your own education. Go back and listen for free to episode 11, 12, and 13 of Getting Money Right. Go back and listen to episode 92 through 97. Uh, It's a great time to invest in your education. It's a great time to check your motives, check your heart, make sure that you're not investing out of a reaction or out of fear or out of greed. And remember, only invest what you actually have the ability to lose without it messing up your entire financial life. You want to make sure that you're putting these principles in place before you invest anything. And one more thing, don't invest in something that you don't understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you you don't know what's in your 401k or you don't know what what this company does that you're about to invest in, don't buy it. Mm -mm. Don't invest in it get an education, and then make informed decisions. All right, well, I want to remind you of our four steps to purposeful living. One, spend on purpose. Two, save before you spend. Three, increase your financial margin. And then four, invest wisely. I hope you've enjoyed learning a little bit more about investing today, especially with the coronavirus and the season that we're in. And I just want to say thank you for joining us for this episode. And I would really appreciate it if you would rate and review this podcast, and then go and share it with somebody. Click the subscribe button and then share it. You just send them a text. Say, hey, I just listened to this on coronavirus and what we should be investing in. Uh, It's a good resource. Share a text with a friend, put it on social media, uh, and don't forget to go over to Leo's website and download the tools that are available for free to you. You can also go over to stewardshippastors.com, which is a website I have to help churches and pastors learn how to teach their people 
about good personal finance and really with a biblical lens. What does it mean to be a good manager biblically? And then, of course, I've got the book Jesus on Money that uh, I was just reviewing back through uh, the, the recent chapters and the overview and the table of contents. And I'm getting so excited to get this resource into your hands. So be looking for Jesus on Money. You can see a link to it on stewardshippastors.com. Learn a little bit more about the book and even pre-order it if you're ready. Well, we look forward to having you join us next time. So together, we can keep getting money right. Whether you choose to buy into the S&P or if you want to buy as an individual company stock, still don't buy with a mindset. I'm going to buy it in three weeks or a month or two. I'm going to sell it. Buy it because it's a good bet long term. Oh, 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 oh,